This episode of the Multi-Hypho podcast has been recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Hey Candy. Hey, so just been thinking about the kids, you know, the future. They are so aware of how much we've messed it up for them. So aware. They're brilliant and they're so much better at coping with many, many things at once than our generation. Man, I've just been thinking about the kids. I wonder, I wonder how hard we need to work to at least leave them something that's full of potential. It gives them something to nourish and sparks inspiration, sets their souls on fire. Hopefully everybody's more aware of this now, but man, I just can't, I just can't stop thinking about the kids. I remember um, teasing you finally getting a set at Falls Festival on mm. New Year's Eve, playing at I think 11.45 was our set time on the main stage and playing in front of 5,000 or 10,000, anyway, an endlessly large sea of human beings all vibing and, and being in the, in that moment with the music we were making. And I remember um, looking around to the people I was playing with, to friends of mine who are still really close friends of mine, Shahab, Pip. Anyway, like looking around and just thinking, I should savor this. Like this is a, this is a dream moment. Like this is yeah. a, it's quite surreal when you see all those arms in the air <laughs> and they do look like kind of coral or a, a forest of limbs that it's, it's quite surreal. And I really, yeah, that was a really pivotal moment of um, of connection to the people I was playing with, the people I was playing for, and music in general. I want to talk to people from multiple identities, multiracial, multisexual, multi-creative folks, people who don't fit neatly into boxes, or have to tick multiple boxes, or have to make new boxes of their own. Multi-hyphenates. Multi-hyphos. Multi-hyphenates. Multi-hyphos. Producer, artist, multi-instrumentalist and sometimes rapper, Joel Ma, a.k.a. Joelistics, is recognised as a unique voice in the Australian music scene. In 2002, he founded the seminal alt-rap group TZU, dropping four albums between 2004 and 2012. In 2011, he released his first solo album titled Voyager and was nominated for an Age Music Award. In 2014, he stretched out to theatre and co-wrote In Between Two with James Margot Higg, which toured Darwin, Sydney, Oz Asia and Melbourne festivals. With a taste for acting, Joel nabbed the role of Zeb the Villain in ABC's Nowhere Boys Season 4. As a beats and music producer, Joel works with Haiku Hands, Moju, Hermitude and Parvin Singh on the regular, and has even written for Madonna. 
His next album, Joelistic Presents Film School, sees him collab with an extraordinary array of musicians from across so-called Australia and Asia. So my, my father is, is a Hong Kong Chinese, uh, Australian-born um, man in his now in his 70s who grew up in the 60s. Uh, you know, he had his sort of formative years in the 60s and 70s and experienced immense racism. And Absolutely, he yeah. coupled with, didn't marry, but coupled with my mother, who is a, 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 a Northern Beaches white woman of Scottish-Irish background who... You know, they would walk down the street together, and my dad would have insults hurled at him in, you know, at Bondi Beach in the in the late sixties. So, yeah, his when you're growing up as a young man, you look to your father for, as your immediate role model of masculinity. And I often saw my father put himself in a a sort of a place which was had a lot of associated pain and trauma. Um, yeah in how he navigated the world as a man, uh, a Chinese mm. man growing up in Australia. And mm. I think I saw that and I was very confronted by that. And I needed to investigate the idea that why is it that there is no Asian men in films who are the protagonists who get the mm-hmm. girl or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm talking about a heteronormative stories, but that's what yeah. I grew up with. That's what I was watching. That's how I related to the world. And I never saw that. And today you rarely see it. I think, yeah. you know, The Walking yeah. Dead is the, it, <laughs> it takes a zombie apocalypse for the Asian guy to get the girl, well, you know. I, I remember <laughs> watching um, with teenagers uh, Tomorrow When the War Began because the, yeah. the hot guy in that is Asian. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, you know, like, shit. This but is From a screenwriter perspective, don't you think that they had to do that because they typified the enemy as the invading <laughs> Chinese horde? So right. they needed to sort of like balance that out Absolutely. with some. Absolutely. Um, but like, but, you know, for the hot, hot Asians, I've got to say, like, are being embraced in Hollywood, Australians, in the yeah. way they're not here. Like there's yeah. a Eurasian um, – actor who's on the bowl type which is you know like a like a young sex in the city or something Mm -hmm, second mm -hmm. season comes in as the love interest eurasian Mm -hmm. from broom speaks Mm -hmm. with an aussie accent Mm -hmm. he's a co-starring role on a major hollywood tv series and we haven't even seen (laughs) eurasian man on an aussie show yet you know what i mean it's it's so weird that this is weird So it's so but like Remy, so, all those guys. Like you just go, there's so yeah. many hot Asian actors, anyways. You know, come yeah. on, I think. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I feel, I feel like the lies that you know Hollywood has sold us. Um, I, I feel so sort of like suspicious of them <laughs> in general that I f- cease to care as much. But I do yeah. think about you know the young, confused or. Um, somewhat down confidence downtrodden young Asian men growing up today in Australia who I relate to and I'm like mm. man don't it gets better don't worry you you don't need to see yourself reflected like that as well in some regards yeah. like you you can build your identity with outside of that main frame of of masculinity and cultural identity and and and, yeah. and it will have a longer sustain for you in your life. Um, so yeah, I do, I, yeah. but, but to come bring it back and, you know, I, I think um, maybe you know my friend James Mungohig who's um, half Filipino, half Dutch yes, and grew up I do. in 
Darwin yes. and is the son of a preacher and is one of my very close friends. And we have um, a theatre show which did explore both of our histories of growing up um, with Asian mm. fathers in Australia in the 90s during the Hanson and Howard era. And yes. we talk and touch on that idea of like, you know, we were sort of both secretly or not so secretly proud that it was our fathers who were Asian and w- mm. it challenged that stereotype as Absolutely. we got older. It was like, right on, Dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you, you know. <laughs> I see you. Okay, yeah. Possibly yeah. because there was <laughs> and there has been many assumptive moments in my life where people just assume it's my mother who is the Asian one. And, it's, and there's Oof. that. Then there's a yeah. whole other, you know, um, absolutely yeah, there's a whole other thing going on there in terms of being in Australia and, and, and yeah. So Un- unravel you know, that, is, Australia. <laughs> unravel yeah. that for a minute. It's, an, yeah. it's, it's something that you're right. It is in a time of change. And it is, mm. I feel like there is this, um, you know, where race politics and gender politics are at today is a galaxy far, far away from where it was when I was a teenager. And think about the, the stages of our lives as artists and when we move back and forth and uh, when we want to move back and when we really want to move forward because <laughs> I feel like right now in honouring our past across diasporas there is this Afrofuturism, Asian futurism, this notion coming forward, Indigenous futurism because what we see is by birthing our future where, where we are our ancestors' wildest dreams but also I love this idea of at what point, particularly as um, a member of the diaspora to living in multiple identities, where do you um, feel yourself being acceptable and unacceptable? Like you talk a little bit then about uh, 
your own cliches, etc. right? So I wonder if that sense of what is acceptable or unacceptable, like when is language or a sound or an instrument too foreign? I do. And I, and I have, I have struggled with it and I've definitely come up against, um, I've come up against time, like decisions and creative, um, decisions where I'm like, is this of my right to tell? And is this of my right to sample? And is this, is this of my culture? And I think the, um, the, there is no sort of simple answer or definition for for what that is other than, um, you know, try to honour and be as respectful and as authentic as you possibly can and to and to kind of excavate it, like to, to go there and to yeah. um, and to really, you know, to to investigate those those questions. And I, and I know I feel more Asian in Australia than I do when I'm in Malaysia or when I'm in Hong Kong, I feel much more Australian when I'm in those countries, even though my ancestry is from that place and I might visually be accepted in some ways. But I mean, I am, I'm a mix. I've always been a mix and even artistically I'm a mix. Like everything is informed by this idea of, of, I hate the word, but of a fusion of Mm. cultures and influences. Um, but, but I, there's still depth in, and, and potency in fusion. It doesn't mean it's watered down. This is what I often hmm, I struggle hmm. with because um, I'm quite gender fluid. When people start using words like non, hmm. I go, no, 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 nothing, hmm. all everything, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and full pelt of that everything, hmm. um, the fullness of it, which hmm. makes us, I guess, for other folks that don't live in those intersections or those that multiplicity, that they must think that that's just so hard to live in. But I'm actually, mm. um, it's actually quite know, liberating. Yeah, and of, often so. I think the Lord, we can break convention because I mm. see some folks so caged into normalcy and normativities mm. and mm. convention. I think, how are you going to break out of that? It feels mm. so safe to you, but it isn't safe most of the time. Yeah. I really relate to the identity positive attitude and yeah. I read a, a piece I think when I was 17 uh, a, written from the perspective of a mixed race woman growing up in America. I think she was Asian American and mm. the, piece, the piece resonated with me because she said, I will define who I am and where, I deci- where I'm from. And mm. it's not up to the world, it's up to me. And I find that really a liberating concept that um, I have this influence that in this, this blood that, that is from many different cultures and lands. And I live currently on stolen land and I am a guest here. It's my yeah. home, but I'm a guest. And I guess all of those things are bubbling under the surface and informing the art that I make, but also how I choose to carry myself and in the world. Yeah, um, and in an ever-changing world. And and it's and, it, yeah. and I'm not beyond reproach in terms of like I have I've fucked up in the past where I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah, I feel like I might under some circumstances uh, use the term I'm half Asian, and I, I I mean that is like as broad and general as you can possibly <laughs> get, but. It doesn't allow me the uh, the ability to just take from every Asian culture and and even though 
and again, this is a complex issue because I also really am attracted to a pan-Asian futuristic identity, which does in- incorporate a kind of bleed between cultures and that influence that has obviously happened within a region. Um, yes. But I am very careful to try to work with um, people who have a sense of legitimacy around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the cultural influences that I bring. Um, I am very excited for film school. It looks so wonderful, Joel. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited as well. It's been it's actually been a long time in the making, but it only it only took a global pandemic to bring it to fruition. I think it's beautiful and of course seeing I love seeing artists move in and around the multi-platform. So it's really nice. And so can you tell me a little bit about all the different things you are doing on film school, like all the different roles? Mm, sure. So um I guess the principal role is is the music director mm-hmm. and composer for all of the pieces, but I was focused on making it a very collaborative project owned by all of the people that I was working with. So there's a lot of different musicians on there, predominantly Asian, Pan-Asian, Asian-Australian musicians and, and singers. Mm. and actually predominantly female um mm. musicians as well um not definitely the um the the sort of focus on i guess a background in in um growing up in you know with multilingual in multilingual households and um or or being of an asian cultural background was something i was hoping to to kind of explore um yeah but I hadn't really thought, oh, yeah, and I'm going to work with predominantly women on this record. It just turned mm. out that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you name drop for us a couple of the musos that you're working with, key musos? Sure. Yeah, so the musos, um, Francesca Mountford on cello, uh, Mindy Meng Wang on mm. Gujeng, mm-hmm. um, Hayley Kramer on vocals, nice. uh, Parvin Singh on vocals, El Shimada yeah. on violin. Um, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Mitchell on drums. Um, that was Matt Robb playing guitar. Um, there's musically, musically. Uh, Emily Chen playing drums and vibraphone on a track. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's 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 sprawling. A lot of the songs, a lot of the pieces have started as sketches. Some of them as far back as like four years ago, and. Mm. Um, I guess for me, the record has morphed into what is an album I can I can make that it takes takes no prisoners and offers no compromise to the market and is just what I would make regardless of what will work in inverted commas. Um, Pure creativity, high concept. Yeah, but at the same time, that you know that in itself is like. Um, a compromised concept because you can't ever really dis- sort of divorce yourself from the past work that you've done. So it's yes. always, it might be in reaction to what you've done or that's yes. how a lot of this feels is like, no, I really want to make, you know, tracks that are at minimum six minutes long because everything I've made in previously has been under four minutes, you know. So sometimes I'm wrestling with my own um cliches and my own patterns and habits and um what i was sure i wanted to do was to 
to to take samples and sounds that felt like they were from my ancestral past. Um, mm. And so a big part of the record is uh, informed by a trip back to Malaysia where I was born in KL with my mum. And we actually was with my mum and my partner Tanya and uh, we spent quite a bit of time in KL and I discovered this record store in one of the markets and I found and dug for three days and found all of these old uh, canto pop records um, from the 70s and it's sort of late 60s. 70s. I was sort of looking from 72 to sort of up to 77, and um, and I used a lot of the the kind of some some in some tracks you might not even hear, it, but in some you definitely do samples from those records because that trip meant so much to me in terms of my own discovery of my birthplace, and it just kind of all inter interwove into underlying a meaning for the pieces, um, and then. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it speaks to my background in hip hop as well. Like hip hop is the sort of scraps of our, of our past and our future all kind of reconstituted and passed on and, and morphed. Mm. And I wanted those samples to be from places or from things or from tracks that had an emotional resonance. Have there been other moments that you can really put your finger on and, and see, oh, that was a turning point? That was a moment, like even if it was dissatisfying, like a friend of mine said, when they won an aria, they went, mm -hmm. this means nothing to me. It's what I've always mm -hmm. wanted and now it means absolutely nothing because I see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. um, sort yeah, of like I, the first I, time I was on a main stage, it, it, mm -hmm. I went, oh, because philosophically it isn't actually all connecting together. This isn't what I thought it was. Hey pals, Joel's about to tell uh, a really cool story, but he does mention some names and because we don't want to be sued for defamation, every time he mentions a specific name, I'm just going to go, hoo ha hoo, okay? We had dinner with hoo -ha -hoo. at a very, very expensive Italian restaurant and it was just before our second record and he was essentially, I guess, wooing us or yeah. going through the, 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 the kind of the rigmarole of yeah. you know and dine. dining with this little hip hop yeah these little hip hop crew who yeah. he really didn't understand and we didn't really understand him anyway yeah. we're sitting at dinner and he's like kind of rabbiting on like he does mm. you know and he's like talking about the 80s and how um the you know the record industry was so much healthier and the only people who didn't buy records were the Asians Ooh. the Vietnamese and the Asians yeah and I was like oh ooh, ooh. Well, you know that I'm half Chinese he's like oh sorry mate sorry I didn't I didn't mean you I didn't mean I'm not racist I'm the le least racist person you can imagine you know I'm paraphrasing this is basically <laughs> the lit you know these, I've heard all this before from a thousand other sources mm. but here's ooh, ooh. you know basically. <laughs> yes. Telling me how unracist he is after. Anyway, and I was like, that's fine. I prefer Australians to say, look, we're all racist. We grew up here. Totally. Totally. I prefer it. That's just yeah, letting people yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was like, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, whatever. I don't, you know, fuck you. I'm just going to order <laughs> the most expensive pasta I can. And, <laughs> but then he's like, oh, sorry, mate. Sorry. And, I'm, and then he's like, you know, no, I, I love everyone. I mean, the only people I don't love are the Muslims. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, hey, do you realize our DJ Shahab is actually a practicing Muslim? <laughs> and I was like, that was really insightful as to how the Australian yeah. music industry does actually operate. Yeah. That there is a power, there's a power base that is, um, that is 
you know, pretty old school and conservative. Mm-hmm. And they might see themselves as the underdog because Australians love that self mythology. Mm. But actually, really, there's mm. a great deal of yeah. of classic, yeah. straight up Aussie racism Absolutely. that gets brought to the table. It's, cent- and it's, it's a central element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the main yeah. ones. Yeah. And, and it's cool because in that moment I remember thinking, yeah, we do bring something different to this industry yeah. and we will continue to whether we get the gatekeeper keys to be able to reach a larger platform or not, mm-hmm. whatever. We're doing this for other people that you actually don't know how to talk to. That's right. And you don't know how to relate to. And we will continue to try and build that rapport. Yeah. And so that was a pretty instrumental thing for that's informed my music since. I mean, you know, yep. and, and I would say it's who now who I'm trying to build alliances with in the music industry are people who understand that mm. or ally to that yep. or have that lived experience. Yep. And if I can build those bridges and off, you know, work with those artists and find that essentially the underground, the resistance, yeah. if you will, yeah. then I'm doing my job properly. Yeah. Like that's the music, I, that's the people I want to work with. I'm really interested then, I was going to say when you were talking about masculinity, what happens then when you have a daughter? I'm sure the next mm. sort of years of your life are going to be so informed by that. I mean, men do talk about a lot, having a child. I think Kalsky's mm. last album was pretty much informed completely by having a daughter. Um, do you? It's pretty encompassing. It's a, do you know it's, what I mean? It's, it's the most profound thing I've ever experienced. Right. I mean, so, so I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like the next record I want to write is actually a very quiet folk influenced record because the space that I'm in so much with Lua is is quite quiet and you know, deeply um, profound and, mm. and and gentle. And so I want, I guess that's during lockdown. I mean, having a baby during lockdown and the global pandemic was uh, something. And <laughs> it's been a wild ride. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and I, I have found lots of nights where I'm doing the night shift uh, so Tanya can catch some hours of sleep before she has to feed throughout the night and I will have I would have Lua on my chest and I would have a sampler or a synth next to me and she would be sleeping I would have my headphones on I would just be writing certain things so that is going to come at some point this sort of like I guess they're like electronic lullabies that I wrote whilst nursing my daughter to and having her sleep on my chest yeah and it's 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 reframed everything it's reframed my relationship with my mum and my dad Mm -hmm. it's reframed my relationship with music it's reframed how I you know little things like recycling little things like um you know my the things that I love and the food that I love and every everything suddenly is I have a different perspective Mm -hmm. to it and a different relationship to it because I want to see things continue I want to see things be given be generously given um, the chance to grow and survive yes. everything, yeah. everything, and it's it's a yes. 
it is a, a beautiful um, adventure. My dearest Lua Patty Grobemar, this is your father speaking. You, my little munchkin, are my first child, six months old as of Saturday, born during a global pandemic into a complicated world. You have the blood and influence of many cultures in you. Your mother's people are from northern Spain. My people from China by way of Hong Kong and Malaysia, as well as Scotland. In the future, when they ask where you're from, and they will ask where you're from, just refer to yourself as Aspasian. You were born on stolen land. It's important you know this. You were born in a place known as Nam, in the Birung, on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. This is our home, but we are guests here. And I hope to instill in you a sense of respect for the culture and the dignity of the peoples on whose land you live. Why do I tell you all of this? Because context and nuance matters, my little one. It matters. There's something else of importance we need to discuss. Synthesizers. They're great. You will most likely inherit a number of them and possibly get one or two for future Christmases and birthdays. You will inevitably hear me talk about what makes them special, the functions of envelopes, LFOs and cross-modulation, the importance of analog oscillators and filters. There really is a lot for you to look forward to. If you decide synths are not your thing, I may struggle with it at first, but I will adjust. In fact, if you lean towards interests or follow paths I don't quite understand, please be patient with your dad. I promise to do everything I can to investigate with an open mind and to support and honour the choices you make. Conversely, if I can point you in the direction of some life stuff, I've found music to be a pretty satisfying thing and the principles of scientific thought to be very useful. Also, once you've become a strong swimmer, you never regret a swim. Okay, so we need to talk about your mum. She literally built you into being from the fibre of her flesh and blood. I watched her up close as she ushered you into this dimension over nine months and 36 long hours. And I have never been more in love with her or the world at any other time in my life. By all accounts, she is to you a god. Please try to remember that if you decide to come home drunk at 15 or argue with her about when you are or are not allowed to get a mobile phone. She is a god. My little darling, there are so many things I cannot wait to show you. I know you think sweet potato and banana is pretty good right now, and it is. But wait until we get to creme brulee, char siu bao and fried chicken. Then there's honey, waterfalls, phosphorus, coral, treehouses, whales, rope swings, prints, bushwalks, beach swims, snow, blue cheese, Aretha Franklin, volcanoes, the original Star Wars trilogy, and hip-hop. The list is endless. We need to talk about sadness. I will, at all costs, try to protect you from pain and sadness in your life. But you will experience it. It's simply part of the deal. And although it's hard to fathom, at any age, pain and sadness is a big part of the mulch that helps make this garden grow. It's the ink that underlines the beauty and the spice that peppers the pot. I also suspect you will, in due time, be the cause of another's pain or sadness, be it unintentional, slight or responsive. Please, my little one, 
Be as patient and generous as you are able to be and remember the power of empathy and the grace of mercy. I am so deeply sorry for the state of the world you are inheriting. The polluted seas, the extreme weather patterns and the disappearing natural world. In time, I hope to teach you a sense of responsibility that extends beyond your own individual happiness and fortune. And I in turn hope to lead by example and live up to these same principles. Whatever happens for you in this life, my precious one, I want you to remember, you and I and everyone we know, everyone we share this beautiful planet with, we are all made up of the same material that makes up the stars and the beautiful moon after which you were named. I hope this thought is a source of wonder and curiosity that sustains you, along with the indelible truth that you are deeply and profoundly loved and you are seen and you are, like each of us, a melody composed of the wild improvisations of your ancestors. Forever, my love, your doting father. P.S. You are going to have to get used to the kiss storms, the kitchen dance-a-thons, the family sing-alongs, and the disgusting displays of affection between your mother and I. Multi-Hypho is hosted and created by Candy Bowers, recorded and produced by Christian Biko, supported by Linda Hurd and Art Centre Melbourne, Creative Victoria, Darabin City Council, Bob Creative and Candy B. Big love to Senari Chandrani, Jingwa Chen and Karen Bravo. Multi-Hypho, getting comfy on the intersection since 2020. I'm a sci-fi buff. Oh, that's my uh, that's that's my thing. Right on. So right on. R- recently, what have we been watching? Devs. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a, a really great watch. Um, I also what was the last? We've. What's cool is that since um, Lua came along, um, we can't really watch that violent shows like we can't really watch shows that because either she's asleep and it's entering into yeah, the subconscious or, or or tanya and i are just too sensitive like we're just like we can't i can't do it like i used to i can't like you know watch like heavy duty people beat ups yeah. and guns and all that like it's just stay away yeah. and so we've been watching star trek <laughs> and we've been watching we've been going through the next gen um like picard That's era so cool. you know 90s star trek yeah. and it's so great. It's yeah. like a kid's story. Yeah. Like it's it's a gentle scientific riff on mm. human qualities and, and it's clunky as hell, but it's still really it's like, satisfying. It's a geek um, drop. It's like a nerd thing when you start just going, <laughs> I know too much about this series. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, That's so cool. Yeah.